And if you're saying that you know truth, if you're saying that you know what is truth, then you've got to have something to actually measure that against. Proverbs 18.10 Podcast 25 feet, a thousand layers. How many millions of years did that take to form them? The answer is it took three hours. Proverbs 18.10 Podcast This is the Proverbs 18.10 Podcast, presented by me, Paul Taylor, in association with Proverbs 18.10 Media. For all information about the podcast, including where to find the RSS feeds to put into your favorite podcasting software, please visit proverbs1810.org. Enjoy the show. to the Proverbs 1810 podcast with me, Paul Taylor. You're very welcome to join us on this, the 61st episode of the show. And um, quite a few things to comment on today. I want to be commenting on uh, the, um, the link that there is between veganism and the climate nonsense. And I also want to be talking about the... Um, political situation that's been going on in Britain and uh, I also wanted to show you a little bit about uh, um, the, the, the attractiveness of the scenery here in northern Idaho. We will try and do a little bit more on uh, exposition on the subject of uh, the gifts of the spirit and uh, how the Bible teaches that they continue through to the second coming of our Lord. Uh, so that will be quite important and um, I think we will probably try and wrap up with uh, 30 minutes worth. I'm saying that now, I have no idea how long we're going to go on until uh, I close. But uh, I've done a couple of very long episodes because uh, you've missed quite a bit. But let's just see how things go and uh, how things occur to me. Well, it's often the case that we receive interesting pieces of junk mail and uh, I received a fascinating piece of junk mail um, the other day and uh, I was very pleased to receive it, not because I agree with what's in it, quite the opposite, but it just sets out uh, the arguments that we've known for a long time. It was a leaflet um, to do with veganism. And I've long held the view that veganism is linked with the whole nonsense to do with climate change, uh, which in turn, of course, is linked with the whole nonsense to do with uh, the pandemic. And uh, veganism is uh, on top of this. It's not surprising, really, when you think about it, that uh, Bill Gates, one of the people who has talked the most about climate change and about um, COVID vaccines and, uh, and so on, is also one of those people buying up farmland throughout the United States and trying to persuade people to use uh, laboratory-grown uh, substitutes for meat, for steaks, and so on. Uh, I mean, I can't... The, the thought of it is just unpleasant anyway. But uh, here, anyway, here's, here's the leaflet that I was sent. And uh, it just arrived. I've no doubt everyone in the uh, who had a mailbox in the uh, in, in that particular post office probably got um, uh, one of these. 
I, I think it's fascinating. Uh, what what do you notice about the image on the front cover of this leaflet? Uh, perhaps we ought to focus in on it a little bit. First of all, let's focus in on the cows. Okay, so the cows are being criticised for causing climate change. Um, on the, in, on the, the next page, page two of the leaflet, it says there are over 9 billion land animals bred and slaughtered in the United States annually for food. That means there are more farmed animals raised every year in the United States than there are people on the entire planet. Raising all these animals, I, by the way, I'm not sure why that's been mentioned. That uh, has nothing, no bearing on whether this is a good or bad thing. It's just a matter of comparing numbers. There's a lot uh, of populations of other animals that's greater than the number of humans. That's why we shouldn't actually take the number of human beings on the planet as being necessarily a dangerous number. I don't believe it is. Anyway, uh, the, the writer goes on. Raising all these animals produces over 200 pounds of meat per person in the United States every year, but it also causes a lot of problems. Most of the problems come from the fact that all of these animals eat, drink, burp and poop. Uh... Continuing, we think of farmers growing crops, we imagine food for people. However, 75% of all agricultural land around the world is used for livestock production. Imagine someone offered you an investment opportunity, you invest $100 and you get only $40 back. That's a bad deal. Uh, well, for every 100 grams of protein we put into feeding animals raised for food, we get only 40 grams of protein back from chicken, 10 grams of protein from pork, 5 grams of protein from beef. It's a colossal waste of resources. No, because the protein is very different. We're not comparing like to like. Um, even in the same leaflet, um, uh, they, they actually admit that veganism causes certain problems that has to be addressed by taking supplements. Um, so there are a number of supplements that are important because you cannot get all the, um, uh, the nutrition from, uh, from the plant-based food itself. So that's a, a very, very important point. Um, it says that in the leaflets, if we cut global meat consumption in half and used all of that farmland to grow fruits and veggies for people to eat directly, instead of growing corn and soy to feed animals on factory farms, we could feed every single person on Earth today, plus an extra two billion people. Well, it's certainly true that there is the uh, scope for feeding a lot more people than we do feed. But meat is an important uh, product because uh, it contains the proteins uh, we need with the right amino acids in to be able to digest now we should be having vegetables too it's not an either or <laughs> and you know those of us who are quite happy to eat meat we don't tend to form an uh, follow an exclusively carnivorous diet there's some people who, who get as close to that as they can but we tend to have uh, get our roughage and certain other minerals from various things that we uh, uh, that, that we will uh, consume as well so there's there's a lot there that's there's just, there's a lot of nonsense in this leaflet uh, you get other nonsense like saying well one gallon of milk is wasting 27 showers 27 people could have a shower instead of drinking one gallon of milk again we're not comparing like to like and we're not showing what the importance is of that particular product and they talk about tons of poop and of course uh, 
the poop can be used in other products and we need to find ways of, of dealing with it uh, in, in, in better ways. But, um, you know, the, um, the manure from factory farms um, is a problem, but also the use of um, chemical fertilizers for growing uh, um, arable crops is also a, a, a problem. Problems need to be solved. Problems need to be addressed and they need to be solved. So I'm not saying that there aren't any problems, but it's um, it is a nonsense to start to argue, therefore, that uh, veganism is uh, is the way forward. Veganism causes illnesses through uh, lack of uh, certain minerals and vitamins and uh, certain amino acids. Um, and even trying to mix foods in some ways doesn't produce what you want. Now, of course, I'm in the fortunate position that I can occasionally have a vegan meal if I want. It doesn't do me any harm. Uh, I eat meat most days, but there are some days where I feel like having a meal that doesn't have any meat. And that's not a problem to me. So you see, those of us who eat meat get the best of all worlds. Well, let's have a look at the other image that was on the leaflet okay remind you of the leaflet there's the leaflet what's on the top section well the top section is a factory why has that been put there there's not a great deal of comment on this apart from the fact that it's saying that uh, factory uh, factory farming is causing pollution so the idea is that this picture is a picture of pollution that is actually not the case chimneys from factories do not um largely produce smoke anymore these days uh, smoke is is removed um, um, by charged plates in the chimney and in any case smoke coming from the uh, the top of the chimneys would not look like this that what you see there is not smoke what you see there is water vapor water vapor and therefore it is not a pollutant it's quite the opposite of a pollutant uh, that water vapor going in the, into the atmosphere is uh, is a good thing, and um, uh, and it's not causing problems. They may say, well, there's carbon dioxide going in there as well. Well, carbon dioxide is itself a fertilizer, and having an increase in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere would actually green the world, cause more plants to grow, and therefore ca uh, create more of the food that these vegans claim that they want. Now, I have rehearsed the whole business about climate change on many occasions before, and I'm not going to do so here. But I do want you to notice this strong link between people talking about veganism and people talking about the lies of climate change. Those are very much linked. That leaflet demonstrates that link. Uh, as you remember, that the, uh, the tagline on the leaflet says, uh, fight climate change with diet change. It's saying that we can get rid of the uh, imaginary problems of uh, climate change by not eating meat. And of course, it simply isn't true. Um, and maybe we should go into that in more detail on another occasion. Well, what we'll talk about next is uh, I, a short walk I took down towards the river and where I was able to talk about some of the beauties of living in uh, northern Idaho. And at the end of that section, I, I spent uh, several minutes talking about the political situation in Britain with the uh, changes in prime ministers that there's been there. Uh, it's very odd, you know, you'd expect uh, political uncertainty to come with um, a narrow majority in Parliament or even a minority government. Um, 
in fact that's not the case uh, the current government has got uh, an overwhelming majority it was a landslide election victory at the end of 2019 so there's about 80 seats majority that the conservative party have over all the opposition parties um, so what's going on there is fascinating and i'm just going to play you those videos first of all some non-political stuff talking about the scenery of northern idaho Okay, so we've had some rain the last few days. I suppose that indicates that uh, good weather is finally over. Um, it is Sunday, October the 23rd today as I'm uh, videoing this. I have no idea when I'm going to be able to get around to uh, editing it and uh, then actually publishing it, but that's the day I'm videoing it. And uh, the rain overnight left a dusting of snow on the mountains. Uh, not thick snow, they weren't sort of covered. It wasn't like frosting, if you like, over the uh, mountains. It was more like uh, <laughs> when you get the uh, icing sugar, or whatever it's supposed to call it in uh, America, I can't remember the name, the ground sugar, and uh, just sprinkle that over the top of the cake. Uh, rather than actually doing a full frosting, and that's what um, the mountains look like today, this morning. So, uh, we're obviously into that season now where if it rains down here, they've got snow on the mountains. And then I guess it won't be that long before it won't be rain down here either. It'll be snow. Well, that's the least of our problems, though. I don't particularly like that. I've often thought it would be great to be a snowbird. I wonder, you know, if the uh, chain store that I work in, whether they would allow me to work for them six months of the year and uh, find a similar branch in, uh, say, Pensacola, where I used to live, and uh, go there for six months of the year. Uh, in my opinion... Pensacola is horrible during the summer and is beautiful during the winter. Uh, the idea of just sitting on the beach on a deck chair on Pensacola Beach on Christmas Day, that was, that was lovely. That is well worth doing, but uh, that's not... Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> So I think I will have to put up with the cold winter, the short days, the long nights. I got through it last year, but I have to admit, it's depressing. I've heard people talking about... Whoops, sorry about that, I just knocked the um, stick over, the selfie stick. I've heard people talking about um, a condition called SAD before. Uh, and I can't remember what the A stands for, seasonally something, um, oh I can't remember, but what it means is <laughs> you feel somewhat depressed during the winter, and uh, yeah, I think that's me, somewhat depressed during the winter. Uh, summer here in northern Idaho is, oh, is gorgeous, it is just, just right, it's not too hot get a hot day and uh, I don't feel too hot, I don't feel humid. 
uh, it's uh, it's glorious. And uh, <coughs> well, the summer has passed now. We're into the fall, and you can probably see just over my shoulder there uh, the fine fall colours. It's nice here in the fall. The uh, scenery of the trees as they as the leaves change. It does look nice. I know everyone is supposed to rave, rave about fall in New England, but you know, fall in the Pacific Northwest is pretty good, and uh, the colours are lovely. And so long as you're wrapped up, as I am at the moment, that feels good. Well, one of the interesting things about uh, this part of the world is well you know you've got the lake uh, which is beautiful uh, Ponderay Lake and then you've got the Ponderay River also beautiful flowing out of it uh, this is just at the very tip of the Ponderay River just as it's coming out of the lake and uh, it's a beautiful place one of the things you'll notice though is how much sand there is and last time I um, filmed here there wasn't this much sand it's interesting that this whole area is like a tide, but instead of a tide that you get twice a day, it's a tide that you get just once a year. Because when I first uh, came here, which was this last February, was it, or March? can't remember exactly what date it was, but anyway, it was early in the year and there was still a lot of snow on the ground and uh, a lot of sand here. Um... And then, of course, as the, uh, as the spring came, you got all the melting of the ice on the uh, mountains and you got the lake filling up and then um, you got the water level coming right up. So it came right up to this dock and it was, it was right up to this dock just a couple of weeks ago. Now the water level has started to drop again. And I don't think it's got a long way to drop, but it's interesting the way that this happens. I am fascinated by it. Something else that's fascinating me at the moment, but for entirely different reasons, is the political situation back in my home country. What a shambles. Would you believe that the ruling party has a majority of nearly 80 seats? They ought to be fully stable, but what's happened is that the Conservative Party seems to be falling apart. Uh, I've commented before about the problems with the previous Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, and a lot of those problems were brought about because he was a godless, philandering man. And uh, the first ever Prime Minister to take his living girlfriend into 10 Downing Street. Okay, yes, he they have got married subsequently. Um, but it's not a good record. This is his third wife. And he's not the first Prime Minister to have mistresses. David Lloyd George was supposed to be famous for having had mistresses. A man who was supposedly from a Christian background. Um, but I don't think anyone has been quite in your face about it. So up front and so unapologetic about it as Mr Johnson. Anyway, a lot of uh, the reasons for him going was really his hypocrisy 
in locking the country down and yet still uh, being okay with having parties at 10 Downing Street himself. And yes, there were other things that people picked up on, but this was the main thing, really, the, the point about hypocrisy in the background. So um, MPs decided to get rid of him as leader. And then they had to have a leadership election. And the leadership election since the year 2001 has uh, been held um, in a particular manner where there are a number of, where candidates can come forward with they've got the backing of 30 MPs. And uh, I think it's 30 MPs is the number. I can't remember whether it's, the, whether it's 30 or whether it's a proportion of the party. I can't remember that, but it... Uh, proportion of the parliamentary party. I'm not sure about that, but anyway, certainly uh, this last uh, leadership election, it was 30 MPs. And then they do a sort of X-factor vote then, where um, uh, well, it's more a sort of uh, dancing with the stars vote, actually. Uh, there's an election by the MPs, and the losing candidate is out, and then you have an election of the others, and then the losing candidate's out, and you keep on going until you've got two left. And then the two left, the vote goes to the uh, Conservative Party as a whole throughout the United Kingdom. And uh, they vote for who they want out of those two as leader, despite the fact that the person who the membership of the party might have wanted to vote for has already been kicked out by the MPs. So, this last election, you had a number of candidates and they were eventually whittled down to two. Rishi Sunak, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, and Liz Truss, who was the former Foreign Secretary. And so the, uh, Rishi Sunak had got the most votes among MPs. So these two candidates then are put to the um, party as a whole and uh, Liz Truss was the one who got the most votes from the party, so she became Prime Minister. Now, her argument was that she wanted to be Thatcherite. Thatcher was noted for cutting taxes. In fact, that is supposed to be the raison d'etre for the Conservative Party, business-friendly uh, party, supposedly, who will keep a low-tax economy. And yet the um, Rishi Sunak in, uh, had already decided that... Uh, uh, when he was Chancellor, that um, corporation tax was going to go up. And so she came in and her Chancellor with her, um, Kwasi Kwarteng, um, I think I've said that right. I've, I've said before on here, I'm not sure whether that's the correct pronunciation. Or... Anyway, they, um, they were going to remove that rise in taxes. So they weren't really cutting taxes as such, they were just stopping the rises that were going ahead. And... Um, Markets and banks didn't seem to like that. Um, but there's a bit more to it than that because uh, Truss herself was somewhat incompetent in the ways that come about. Margaret Thatcher's tax cuts were financed. She knew exactly how... She already had business on side. Business knew how they were going to expand and that was how tax uh, cuts were going to be paid for. Her idea was that you actually raise more taxes by the method that she cuts taxes. The government gets more tax because there's an, uh, an expansion of the economy. But these two things don't go together. You've got to have the plans in place for the expansion of the economy. 
Liz Truss thought that uh, just by cutting taxes she'd be able to expand the economy and uh, so her proposal for funding the tax cuts was by borrowing. Now what's the point of that? Borrowing is basically taxing your children. Government borrowing is taxing your children. We've had enough of that over the last couple of years where there's been borrowing in order to uh, try and finance all the um, furloughs uh, and people being kept off deliberately off work uh, in Britain during this so-called uh, COVID pandemic, or plandemic as I think it should be rightly called. So Liz Truss failed. Sacking her chancellor didn't work. Um, uh, replacing him with a um, middle-aged white male liberal didn't work. Same thing then when uh, Home Secretary um, resigned, replaced with another middle-aged white liberal. And you've got, you've therefore got the seeds of severe problems. Basically, you can see that Liz Truss was not in control. So she then resigns, understandably, and I think she was pretty incompetent. Well, that doesn't mean to say that it was right for the markets and for the elites and the cabal and so on to get rid of her in the way they did. It's making Britain a laughing stock, and it's certainly making Britain ungovernable. So now, with Liz Truss gone, they didn't want to have another lengthy um, election according to their constitution, so they changed the rules. They've changed the voting rules. Um... There, uh, the MP, there has to be 100 MPs, since there's only um, it's over 300 uh, Conservative MPs. I think, is it about 360? I can't remember the exact number, but uh, it's over 300 MPs. But certainly for each uh, person to get 100 MPs backing them means that there's going to be a maximum of three candidates at that. It may not even get to that. It may even only be one candidate, in which case, by... 2 o'clock British time tomorrow, which is, by the way, 6 o'clock in the morning here in the um, Pacific Northwest of the United States, uh, there could be a new leader straight away if only one person has managed to get the backing. And I think that's going to be quite likely. Um, so Rishi Sunak has decided that he's standing again. He's already got over 100 backers, 110 backers at the last count. Um, Penny Mordaunt, who was the third place person, the last of the MPs to be knocked out before they took things to the uh, membership. She um, uh, is standing. I only got about 30 backers so far. And then it looked like Boris Johnson was going to stand again. Can you imagine? What on earth are they thinking about? What on earth are they thinking about? The man who they've only just got rid of, and there's several people who are trying to back him to become... Uh, uh, leader of the Conservative Party again. Anyway, fortunately now he's decided he's not going to go ahead with that. He's obviously seen that that's not realistic. But what on earth everyone was thinking about with making that a possibility, I do not know. It was crazy. So he's uh, now out of the race. Uh, it's likely that Penny Mordaunt will not manage to get a uh, hundred backers by the, the deadline in which case there will be a new um, leader on Monday uh, if, if that doesn't happen, if, if uh, Penny Morden manages to get the necessary um, 
500 backers, then what's going to happen is, first of all, the MPs will actually vote on those two. So they've got an indicative vote to put to the membership of the party. Uh, so the membership of the party will know which of the two they prefer, uh, the M MPs prefer. And then the party will have a vote which will have to be done online so that there will be a leader no later than next Friday. This is just all nonsensical. How on earth is a new leader anyway going to manage to pull the party together, which is breaking itself apart? And yet I hope they do. There may be another general election soon. The current government has won four elections on the row now. I don't remember when the last time was that a political party managed to win four elections on the row or five elections on the row. Uh, there were four elections on the row uh, from 79 through to 97. Um, Conservatives won in 79, 83, 87 and 92 and then lost in 97 to the Labour Party. The Labour Party then won in 97, 2001, 2005 but then lost in 2010. Uh, there have been quite a few elections since then. They haven't. The terms haven't last, managed to last that long. So the Conservatives won, not outright actually, in 2010. They had to govern one term in coalition with the Liberals, which was an odd situation. And that's 2010. Then they won outright in 2015. Then there was another election in 2017, then another in 2019. Um, that makes four elections. According to all the opinion polls, if there was another election now, uh, Sir Keir Starmer's Labour Party would uh, wipe the board. Um, and in fact, the Conservatives could be pretty near wiped out, Canadian style. It's, uh, that's what they're talking about at the moment. I don't know whether that will happen or not, but it would be a dreadful thing. Uh, Starmer is, of course, a member of the Trilateral Commission, and the victory of the cabal would be complete. And it could well be then that if he gets in power, that would be the end, and there would be no further elections of any meaningfulness. And we'd get to a situation somewhat similar to what we seem to have here in the United States. Of course, there's uh, an election coming up in the United States in less than two weeks. Is it less than two weeks? Uh, you know, I, I can't actually remember. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's, 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 there's an election coming up very shortly in the United States. Um, they're not uh, voting for president, but um, there are elections all over the place. Uh, there are various gubernatorial elections and certainly elections for the Senate, one-third of the Senate seats is up for grabs, and the whole of the House of Representatives is up for grabs. And it's perfectly possible that the Republicans may um, take the House and the Senate, but um, I have my doubts, actually. The opinion polls suggest they're going to take them, but I don't know. I reckon this could be another stolen election. Another? Yes, I am one of those people who believes that the 2020 presidential election was stolen whatever happens I don't think it matters in a sense whether the Republicans take the House and the Senate or not I th certainly think we'll have a new president by Christmas 
because clearly Joe Biden is not up to the job, so he will be booted out Liz Truss style uh, after some time after the uh, uh, upcoming elections. And by Christmas, we'll presumably have President Kamala Harris and then whoever she chooses as her vice president. I think that's going to be happening pretty soon. So, there we have it. Um, political situations are up in the air. Everything very, very odd indeed. And, uh, uh, well, there's my comments on that subject. I think I'll be back in the warm in order to go through uh, some biblical expositions. Uh, I, it's likely that I'm going to put my first exposition before this when I actually put the... Uh, um, uh, edit together but I certainly filmed this before the expositions that I'm going to put into this program of course since I uh, recorded those uh, items which was on Sunday uh, October 23rd and we got to Monday October the 24th um, we found that only one candidate had actually managed to make 100 uh, MPs back then. That was Rishi Sunak. Boris Johnson had claimed that he had over 100, but had decided to drop out. I mean, the idea of Boris Johnson coming back was just crazy. Penny Mordaunt, who was probably the best candidate of the three, um, uh, did not manage to make a hundred uh, MPs. So Rishi Sunak then, by default, without any need for these one of these tiresome elections, um, became leader of the Conservative Party. And then earlier today, being Tuesday the twenty fifth of October, he went to the palace to kiss hands, and is now the uh, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to comment on on that one. Um, Sunak is a practicing Hindu, by the way, so he's the first ever Hindu prime minister. We have had one previous prime minister who is not notionally a Christian. Of course, there have been some people who are probably atheists, but uh, they all claim to be within uh, uh, the Church of England, because, of course, it doesn't matter. If you're, if you're in the Church of England, you can be an atheist. Uh, of course, there was uh, one previous one, which was the Jewish prime minister, the great Jewish prime minister, uh, Benjamin Disraeli. Um and now we have a Hindu Prime Minister. He will be responsible for appointing the next Archbishop of Canterbury, presumably if he's still in office when that uh, comes up. Of course, <laughs> it has to be said, you couldn't really do much worse than the previous uh, appointment of an Archbishop of Canterbury, could you? Oh well, well let's move on to other matters. So let's spend a little while getting back into um, issues to do with the gifts of the Spirit. We looked, we've looked in previous episodes at how the gifts of the Spirit continue uh, until the uh, Lord returns. Uh, that is the, the meaning of the word perfect in 1 Corinthians uh, 13. Um, go back and find that episode, please. Um, I, I'll no doubt I will go through it again at some point, but for now, let's just pass on that. I've 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 explained that already. Um, the gifts of the spirit have to continue until the perfect comes. We're all cessationists, really. Um, all Christians uh, are going to believe that the gifts of the spirit cease, and they cease at the point when the perfect comes. The issue is when does the perfect come, and the answer is when the Lord returns. So, since the Lord hasn't returned yet, the gifts of the spirit are still in operation. Um. 
part of the problem with people arguing that the gifts of the Spirit must have ceased is that they uh, don't understand what the gifts of the Spirit actually are because they haven't studied those. They've just seen the abuses and excesses that are carried out in some churches and they say, well, that, those things clearly shouldn't be happening and they've ceased. But you, it's not a very sensible argument because surely if you've got these verses in Scripture, it means that those gifts were in operation at some point. If you believe that the perfect is the closing of the canon of Scripture, then you believe that all these gifts, the nine gifts that I'm going to go through uh, shortly, those gifts were in operation before the closing of the canon of Scripture. So you still have to deal with the nature of those gifts and what they are. So one of the problems, as I said, is people not dealing with what the nature of those gifts is. And that's why we need to go in and look at those. And I would say... That it's quite clear, you know, that there are there are there are nine gifts of the spirit mentioned in First Corinthians twelve. Let's point out that falling down and writhing on the floor and barking like dogs, none of those things are included in the list of the gifts of the spirit given in First Corinthians twelve. And I think we can all of us write those off as being nonsense. And if you will take the time to study what um, biblical scholars who believe in the continuation of the gifts have to say, you will see that those sort of excesses are criticised often far more and certainly in better and more biblical ways than uh, the criticisms that we get from cessationists. Um, the old um, heresy known as the Toronto Blessing Look it up if you don't know about it. I'm not going to go to do a bunny trail and explain it now. But the first time I heard that the Toronto blessing was incorrect and unbiblical was from the, word, the mouth of a Pentecostal pastor, not a cessationist Baptist pastor. It was a Pentecostal pastor who believes in the continuance of the gifts of the Spirit and uh, encourages their practice in his church who nevertheless was saying what's going on in Toronto and in uh, certain places in Britain at the time and barking like dogs, writhing on the floor. Those things are not of God and are to be condemned. Well, let's get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, shall we? Uh, that's important for us to look at now. Here it is. Let's go through it. Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Do you notice there that um, Paul does not want us to be uninformed? And uh, why should he want us to be uninformed? Well, he uses the same phrases elsewhere. Let's have a look, for example, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And in verse 13, we've got the same language being used. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Um. And he's saying things that are applicable to us today. And most Christians will accept that what's being said, even though they, they might not agree on the interpretation, uh, they would certainly accept that what's being said here in First Thessalonians 4 is applicable today. And therefore, it's the same language in First Corinthians 12. It is perfectly logical to say that uh, this is um, applicable to today. 
So what does Paul not want us to be uninformed about? He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So he's saying there are good and bad uses of gifts. There are some gifts that are not gifts at all because they're not from the Spirit of God. Um, and he expands on that in uh, two chapters later uh, on, on some of the things that go wrong. But he's also saying that uh, the Spirit is guiding people to say Jesus is Lord in their utterances. Now, there's three verses where he emphasizes that people are not having the same gifts. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So you see there are different people, they have different personalities, but there's one God. And in a sense, the Trinity is being uh, mentioned here, the same Spirit, the same Lord. We can probably extrapolate that that's referring to Jesus. Same God may be referring to the Father. Certainly, there's, there's a threefold, three-person illustration of god here and it's an allusion at the very least to the uh, i said allusion not illusion it's an allusion to the um, holy trinity there are different types of gifts service activities but paul's saying the same thing three times and he's just emphasizing that these are under the power of god to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good so christians can expect to have spiritual gifts and we should be praying for them uh, for reasons that we will come to uh, do not necessarily get a spiritual gift at the point of conversion but uh, uh, we can talk about uh, what what is meant by conversion there and the, and the um, indwelling of the holy spirit through that but what we need to go on to in just a moment now is the actual um, types of gifts and there are nine mentioned here there's uh for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another, the working of miracles. Let's include the W in there, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, uh, one of the methods of discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. There's nine of those altogether. Wisdom, knowledge, Faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, um, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And Paul finishes this particular section by saying, All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is important because what we're referring to here is the sovereignty of God. Many of those people who claim to be cessationists are very strong on a belief in the sovereignty of God, and yet they refuse to believe in the sovereignty of God at this point. Uh, they won't accept that God can sovereignly decide to give people these gifts if he so wishes. They say, no, he can't, and he can't do it because of the way that we have interpreted scripture. 
Well, that's not how we view scripture. So we will look uh, at the, the sovereignty of God in action in the giving of each of these gifts of the Spirit. So these are the gifts in order then. We have a um, word of wisdom. The strange thing is that many cessationists do believe in the word of wisdom. They probably wouldn't say they do. Uh, they're expecting this to be something weird, but they do believe that there are people around who are wise that we should listen to who can say a word and uh, it will make you think. And it's usually it's uh, usually an application of scripture or something. And by the way, that's a that's an absolute when we're interpreting these. None of these can possibly be a revelatory gift. I know there are some people who try and uh, speak about revelatory gifts, but none of these can be a revelatory gift because there is no scripture to be written. So a word of wisdom might be an insight that would apply a biblical truth to a particular situation, to a person's situation. A word of knowledge could reveal something that uh, wasn't known. Um, but uh, again, it is not a new doctrine. Anything that uh, it's not sort of knowing about new doctrines and things. It might be knowing about a situation um, that, uh, that 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 uh, someone else was unaware of, but it, it is now known to be the case. Faith. We should all have faith and we should all be exercising faith. And there is a sense in which we should all be exercising each of these things on a lower level. We're all supposed to uh, try and strive towards wisdom and uh, uh, to uh, uh, know, know things. And in the same way, while there might be a supernatural word of wisdom, supernatural word of knowledge, there's a supernatural faith. Some people seem to have greater faith than others. And uh, that's perfectly normal. Healing. Uh, making somebody else well. And there are so many examples of this in modern life. And again, even cessationists believe this, which is rather odd when you consider that they use the idea of... Um, uh, they, they use the idea of um, uh, certain healings that didn't happen in Scripture, so they claim, uh, to say that that shows that the gifts were dying away. That's that's nonsense, especially since most cessationists will actually still believe that people get healed today. Um, miracles, that's a general catch-all phrase really for anything that is not natural, it's not come about by the normal course of events. God has stepped in. And again, cessationists talk about miracles. You know, they'll say colloquially, this is a miracle, it can only be a God thing. God has caused this to happen, nobody else. So it's in that light that we interpret what prophecy means. Given that we've already shown that prophecy in the New Testament is not scripture writing, because scripture writing was up to the apostles, prophecy is definitely subordinate to the um, uh, uh, the preaching of the words, definitely sub subordinate to, uh, to what the Bible says, and it cannot give anything that uh, the Bible doesn't say. In that case, then, um, that's the sort of prophecy that we're talking about, clearly, is, uh, is still around today. Someone forth-telling, telling, saying what uh, God's uh, um, means in a particular situation today. Not giving new doctrine, not giving new insight that's not there in the Bible. Once again, it's an ap application of what's there. Distinguishing between spirits, a form of discernment. How are you going to know which is good and which is bad? Again, cessationists are usually happy with this. They're not happy with the term prophecy, but they're usually happy with this. They expect people to be able to be discerning. 
tongues they're not so happy with. Many people will talk about this as being languages, but it seems clear that the languages being spoken are ones that people don't necessarily know. Now, there's plenty of examples of the tongues being languages that people do know, human languages, but they can be tongue, uh, languages that uh, no one knows. They can be the tongues of angels. They can be uh, languages that nobody particularly knows, and there needs to be interpretation of those tongues. If we're talking about speaking a language, there wouldn't need to be an interpretation because people would understand them. Just as there was no need for interpretation of the um, uh, word in tongues at the time of uh, Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 because people said that they heard what was being said in their own languages so that's another miracle if you like really second to the speaking in tongues that um, they were able to in, uh, understand things themselves generally speaking the tongues needs to be inter uh, uh, followed by an interpretation that interpreter is going to be usually be someone different from the person who has the gift of tongues and therefore, um, you're seeing that there needs to be a trust in the fellowship to be able to cope with that, that one person has given uh, a message in tongues and another person uh, is there to be able to interpret. It shows that nobody can sort of lord it over them. And I think that's very wise uh, biblically because um, the way that so-called tongues are used in some churches is to you know, give a, a, a mock a false authority to what's going to be said later that someone will speak in tongues and perhaps interpret it themselves because and it's giving that word that they're giving a a, a false uh, emphasis and by the way you often get someone speaking in tongues in certain uh, Pentecostal and charismatic churches and then someone giving an interpretation and that interpretation sounds like a prophecy a prophecy is not the um uh, interpretation of tongues and we'll see that more clearly as we get on to the second part of 1st Corinthians 12 just a bit of a spoiler alert tongues are prayers to God they are prayers they are not prophecy so uh, we need to understand that that uh, those gifts 8 and 9 are not the same as gift 6 and it's those three gifts that are the ones that really cause people the most problems um, so we will need to examine those in more detail. We've listed those now, uh, but the Apostle Paul goes into more detail, particularly on the three gifts that I've pointed out in the remaining portion of 1 Corinthians 12. And we'll get on to that in the next episode. Well, that's all for this episode. There's so many more things that I could have gone through, but I think it's time to wind up there. I'll have to leave the next uh, exposition uh, from Genesis for another occasion. Um, and I do think because of things that are happening here in Sandpoint, Idaho, that I do need to concentrate on going through uh, the issues to do with the gifts of the Spirit uh, quite heavily at the moment. That's what I intend to do. And I'll probably sort of put those things together so that you've got that so that it forms one special program by itself at some point in the future. But I'm not going to do that just yet. So meanwhile, um, there's other things I could have gone on to say now. I don't want to take this any longer. We've been going for just short of an hour. I think we've been going for about 53, 54 minutes. Uh, I think it's um, about time to wind up. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening uh, and watching. And um, I'll be with you 
very soon with episode 62. In the meantime, God bless you.